The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people look. They're not so astonished. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Whew! How is that week going by in a blur? I know it was only four days, but my goodness me, it's gone by like a galloping racehorse. Friday morning, come round again. Good to see it too. 0818 96 96 96. The Fuss March, which we have been talking about for weeks now, that happens today. We'll be going live to Grand Parade just after 10 to catch up with Maureen Tui, who's down there for us, and also uh, talking, hopefully, to one or two people taking part in the Fuss March. Parents who've just had enough of trying to get services for their kids. They're marching today in here in Cork, they're doing it in Dublin, and they're doing it in Westford. And we're going to go live just after 10 to the March on Grand Parade. Also, a lot of TikTok lawyer, I was talking to him a few months ago. He's the employment lawyer who started doing TikTok. And he's now a star with like hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok. Richard Grogan, that's the law and that's a fact. That's his catchphrase. He's been getting some inquiries from around the country through TikTok about maternity leave and about the rights you have, the inalienable rights, the unquestionable rights you have under the law when you're going on maternity leave. So catch up with Richard about some of that. And do you know what wasabi is? Have a think about that. If you've heard of it or heard of it, you haven't. But wasabi, what is it? Okay. Do you know what it is? And I'll be talking to a producer of it uh, from West Cork later. Wasabi. Do you even know what wasabi is? I had to look it up, I admit. I had to look it up. But I, I, it turns out I've probably eaten it. Ah, sugar, I've told you what it is now. Oh, well, 0818 96 96 96. Also, we're back with Aiken Promotions. Last day of this, giving us two tickets for Live at the Marquee. Uh, we're sending you on June 28th to see Chic Live at the Marquee. Trust me, this is one you don't want to miss. This is the one that, of all the Marquee this coming season, here's one I will absolutely not be missing. Chic are brilliant. They've just put on an amazing show. And I have two tickets to give you for that show and for dinner at Sober Lane before it. You're looking to name a chic song. Give it to you in a while, all right? Give it to you in a while. Won't take, give it to you right now. I want to start, though, uh, at the Central Criminal Court sitting in Cork and hearing the case against 38-year-old Karen Harrington, who was charged with the murder of two-year-old Santina Cawley in July of 2019. She, of course, denies that charge. Uh, the case is continuing and monitoring it for us 
day to day is Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent. Ralph, the end of the second of the projected five weeks or four to five weeks here and we've started to get into medical evidence. We should warn listeners what we're about to talk about could be disturbing. We heard from forensic scientists and a paediatrician yesterday. We did, PJ, and we also got some very interesting evidence from some of the guardie who attended the scene and from some of the guardie that managed the scene in terms of forensics and the tests that were conducted. And one of those uh, guard, detective guard, Stephen Dennehy, he revealed that he had been informed after the post-mortem examination that Santina had suffered a total of 53 injuries. There were 49 external injuries and four internal injuries. Now the precise nature of those won't be revealed until we get evidence from the pathologist, uh, Dr. Margaret Bolster, which we're not expecting before next week. There was also an interesting um, piece of evidence from uh, Detective Garda Owen O'Callaghan. Now he had been on duty outside the Elderwood complex after Santina had been found at 5am on July the 5th, 2019. Now paramedics um, fire brigade and guardie who were trained in, in first aid. They were desperately trying to stabilise the condition of the two-year-old girl um, before she was transferred to Cork University Hospital. And outside the complex, uh, Detective Gardo Callahan said that he was speaking with um, Karen Harrington, of course, who denies the murder of um, Santina Cawley, when uh, the child's father, Michael Cawley, approached, walked up and shouted in her face in front of the guardie. And he said that she... It, Mr. Cawley shouted, you killed my baby, you monster. At which point both were separated and um, the the, the guardie did everything they could to try and facilitate the work of paramedics. At that point, Santina was rushed to uh, Cork University Hospital and Professor Deirdre Murray, who's a paediatric expert, was alerted in the early hours of the morning of the situation and she rushed to CUH. Um, Unfortunately, she, she did an analysis of the child, but unfortunately, the injuries were so devastating that there was no hope of recovery. So when life-saving efforts had stopped, um, Santine was placed in the arms of her mother, Bridget, and uh, was pronounced dead at 9.20 a.m. And Ralph, did Professor Murray give direct evidence? In actual fact, she didn't, PJ. What happened was that Professor Murray's evidence was read out um, by agreement of both the defence and the prosecution um, uh, by uh, Sean Gillan, senior counsel, who was acting for the state. So her evidence was read out in the form of a written statement. Um, What we did get direct evidence from yesterday was a number of the forensic experts who had attended the scene um, under the management of Detective Garda Dennehy, who was the crime scene manager. And one of those experts was Dr. Shadale Wald of Forensic Science Ireland and she gave um, testimony about examining blood stains within the apartment. Now, there were a number of blood stains in the kitchen. There were some blood stains on a duvet in the middle of the living room and there was a number of items of clothing which were recovered from the scene. Now, Gardy had given evidence about the fact that there were adult floral design leggings found in a back bedroom of Karen Harrington's apartment. Now, they were black in colour with a very, very prominent and floral design. Now, those leggings, when they were found, were had been pulled inside out, and there were a number of blood stains recovered on those um, leggings. And Dr. Waldron basically said that um, uh, what had happened was she said that on the upper left section of the leggings, um, which had been pulled inside out, there was a blood stain. And when that was analysed, it was found to match the DNA profile 
of Santina Cawley. Mm. Now, the, there were a number of other bloodstains on the lower parts of that garment and they matched the profile of Karen Harrington. Now, a child, a pink child's T-shirt was also examined and there were a number of bloodstains found on both the collar and the shoulder. Now, one bloodstain returned a mixed DNA profile and Dr. Waldron said it was one a 1,000 million to one chance um, that it was more likely to have been in the mixed DNA profile sample from Santina Cawley and Karen Harrington mm. rather than from Santina Cawley and unknown others. Mm. Now, there was a significant amount of blood staining in the kitchen and the evidence that was given was this matched the DNA profile of Karen Harrington. So the evidence was that the Karen Harrington had been actively bleeding in the kitchen area of the apartment. She, she had cut her foot or something. Did we hear that? We did. No, we didn't hear the precise reason for the, the foot being cut, but there was certainly evidence that there was an, a lot of broken glass within the apartment and there was also previous evidence given that there was a Betty Boop statue which Karen Harrington had adored and that statue had been smashed inside the apartment and several guardi gave evidence that the actual head of this statue was inside the door of the apartment when they came in to examine it. So we're expecting to get further forensic evidence today and of course the, the, the crucial um, pathology evidence is expected next week. Okay. Ralph, um You'd be an experienced uh, court reporter of many years standing. Cases like this are upsetting, I must, I imagine. I think they're upsetting for everybody, PJ, because anything to do with a child, I think people have a natural instinct that you want children to be safe, you want children to be happy, you want children to be protected. And it's just such a desperately sad situation when you see a case like this surrounding the death of a two-year-old child. So it is very upsetting, I think, for everybody involved in the case, without exception. There's medical evidence coming next week and all of that, and we'll, we'll return to it. Ralph, thank you as always for being with us. Have a good weekend. Thanks, PJ. Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent. Uh, if you need help, if anything that you've been hearing has uh, triggered unhappy memories for you or anything like it, uh, the HSE has a national counselling service for those who experience trauma in their childhood. It's available Wednesday to Sunday from 6 till 10 in the evening. And you can call 1-800-477-477. They also have a local number. Uh, here in Cork, it's one eight hundred two three four one one six. I'm thinking they may have changed oh eight one eight. We will double check that. But one eight hundred two three four one one six is the local number. You can talk to the Samaritans, of course, at one one six one two three, or you can call your GP. Okay, yeah, they haven't changed. Some of the numbers changed, some of them didn't. I'm always confused by those numbers. So some of them, they're 1-800 numbers. 1-800-234-116 and 1-800-477-477. 0818, our number is 0818 96 96 96. We had the... Uh, we had the Minister for Disabilities on the programme yesterday and we put it up as a podcast extra and you can listen back to my exchanges... Uh, with 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 Minister Rabbit yesterday, she was on the phone for the bones of half an hour. We put a lot of listeners' questions to her, and we played back some of the interviews, some of the most distressing interviews we've had with people talking about their situation. We put that that to her, and you can make of her responses what you will. And as I said, it's there on a podcast extra. If you want to find it on the app or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, you can you can uh, check that out. But uh, we had an email in response to that from Tim, 
who wrote to opinion at 96fm.ie. He says, I know the minister cares about her portfolio, but I've been trying to get her and her department to respond to our family on the failure for over six months to get HICWA to inspect a house so that its use for respite care can be expedited with immediate effect. Her managers won't or are not allowed to meet her. Who's in control? Uh, Like many families of children with disabilities, we're being treated like the minister, as if we don't count. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 On Corks 96 FM. Now, Louise got in touch with us to talk about the perception that there's a huge shortage of home care staff out there and that there are no healthcare assistants to work. Uh, comes on the back of a story that there are fears older people may be forced into residential care sooner than they would like or that they'd be left in hospital because there is no care for them in their own home. And this is in The Examiner. Their health correspondent, Neve Griffin, writes that over 4,700 people are currently waiting to be provided with a carer in their own home and that the home care sector is beset by a staffing crisis. Louise, not all it's perceived as, not a shortage. It's, it's, it's a shortage for a reason. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. How are you? Very well, thanks. What, what's Good, thanks experience? for having me on. <clears throat> um, so I think it's actually coming down to, um, you know, if you, you look at the, the lady that you had on earlier this week, um, and obviously they're having their, um, their rally today in, in Dublin and all over. Uh, it, it's, it's not the fact of that there isn't enough health care providers. It's the fact that a lot of the health care providers are trying to go private, because fortunately, it's coming down to the stage where, you know, as a as a healthcare assistant, and I'm only just, you know, recently into this this sector, um, is that you're looking at if you're in a the public sector and you're with agencies for healthcare or, or being a carer, you're kind of looking at like eleven fifty to twelve twenty five an hour. Okay. Um, and you know. <laughs> When I, yeah, I come from South Africa, I've been here about four years. I come from a financial background. Um, I didn't enjoy it because I was stuck behind a desk and, you know, it's not the type of thing that I really enjoyed. And I came to Ireland and I went into a financial position and I didn't enjoy it. And I thought, no, I've got to, I've got to do something where, you know, I'm, I'm happy in what I'm doing. And I came across this healthcare course. A friend of mine told me about this uh, QQR Level 5 healthcare course through CCAD. 
And, you know, she said, look, um, you know, it empowers women to get back to work. And, you know, and I thought, I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, this is actually something that I, I would really enjoy. I enjoy looking after people. I enjoy chatting to people. Um, yeah, I just, it, it's something that I thought, you know, this is actually something I could do. Mm. And I, you know, I got into the, I, I went into the course, I was doing the course and about a year and a half into the course, there was kind of coming up about, what type of salary you would be looking at and you know came out you could be looking at 1150 because uh, at that stage we did have a, a lady that was in uh, the agencies for for healthcare assistance mm. and you're looking at 1150 to 1225 an hour and I thought to myself well hang on um, <laughs> I've got two kids yeah. um, one comes out at 11 at 140 and one comes out at 240 um, so basically, I'll be taking childcare from 1:40 to about five or six at 13 hours, uh, 13 euro an hour, and I'm only so I, I, I kind of was like a bit hesitant, and I thought, well, you know, if, if I can't make my, if I if I can't support myself and my family, then I don't know really what I'm doing here. But anyway, I carried on, and it was more the theory, and you know, yes, it was hard work, and then came part where you had to do your work experience, um, which I did in a beautiful resident residential setting in Cove, which I mean, the, the staff, the, the, the clients, they were just all, but I, I started to realize the actual physical, um, activity and emotional and, you know, and then I thought to myself, like, (laughs) yes, I'd love to do this, but I mean, am I going to do this where I'm actually going to have to pay money in and I'm basically just working to put my kids into a childcare. So I started looking on the internet and just trying to find, you know, like how I could go about, you know, working in this sector. And I came across uh, this platform called Home Care Direct, right. which basically was you work for yourself. So they give you this platform. Um, it's exactly the same as what you would do if you went through an agency or you went through the HSC. You've got to go for your interview. Uh, you've got to give them all your qualifications. You've got to send them, you know, your manual handling. Uh, they do the guard vetting. So you're guard vetted. And they get all that information that you would have given to an agency or the HSC anyway. Yeah. And then they, you write yourself a profile where you say, you know, your interests, your qualifications, what you do, um, you know, just a profile on yourself. And then people can go onto that platform and they can look for carers and they can say, okay, well, you know, this lady's interest or this carer is interested in um, horse riding. Yeah. And my mom used to horse ride. And, and Louise, sorry, are you effectively self-employed then when you're doing this? Yes. So you are self-employed. So what happens is on the platform is they do take a small percentage of uh, what you make an hour, but that is so that, you know, they make sure that you're tax compliant so that the the carer or the client that you're actually caring for can then uh, get the up to 40% uh, tax relief. They help you with revenue so that you're revenue compliant um, and that they, you know, send through uh, whatever your, Sell it. Well, what you've made that month, they, they'll send it through to revenue for you. So there is a small fee, but me coming in as a, as as just finishing my qualifications, I could start off at seventeen, eighteen an hour. Yeah. And I thought, well, <laughs> well, I mean, there's no the 
why wouldn't I? It's no argument. Um, no, and uh, and the problem yeah. is then that that platform, which sounds great, I wasn't familiar with it, but it sounds like they do great yeah. work for the people that they represent. You can't get the gig, as it were. Yes. So now what happens is you, um, and, and what's nice about this platform is you could have six years under your belt. You could have uh, qualification after qualification after, you know, uh, course after course. You will still, if you're with the agencies, get 11.50 or 12.25 an hour. Sure. It doesn't matter what, what, what your qualifications are, what you do, that is what you get. So with this platform is that, okay, so I think um, I want to go into uh, finding out about dementia and I want to do a course on dementia and I want to do a course on life-saving. And, I wanna, and so I get all these courses and I start working and maybe a year or two into it, I can now go and say, okay, well, I've done all of this now. So let's go from 17 to maybe 19 or 20 an hour. So I've been able to grow and I've been able to, you can whereas say you I'm specialised with certain people. Yes, yeah. and then you can grow, whereas you can't do that in, you know, if that's what you've got, that's the rate and that's the rate. Now, with and I'm not slating the rate of the agencies because, I mean, what they do is, unfortunately, you know, you will get from the HSC on a client 25 to 30 euro. So that is what the agencies will receive. But then the agencies have got their overheads, they've got their shareholders, they've got the office space, they've got the HR, they've got to pay. You know, they've got a whole lot of overheads. So, so yes, so, so the worker they have is to coming pay. out. Yeah, it's coming out. With yeah, the, and then yeah. the worker, the workers coming out with the, and they're the ones that are on the ground running. I mean, it's 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 the emotion that's in this job, the physical um, aspects of the job. It's it's a tough job. Yeah. Um, and then people have now started to realise, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I do love my job, but I still have to survive. So they're now thinking of going the private route. But then comes the private route is that, you know, when I first started and I had my platform up and I had my profile, um, I had a a lady contact me and she wanted me to, um, you know, chat to me and see if I was what she was looking for for her mom and dad. And then she said, what about the HSE grant? So I said, no, well, you know, Basically, what happens is you get a grant from the HSC. So let's say I charge you 20 euro an hour. You get a certain amount from the HSC and you're only actually paying me 12. So you're still paying the 12. I'm still getting my 20, you know, minus the little percentage from. So and that's but it came on when because I said I'd help her and we went onto the website. But at the HSC, it came up that in order to get the grant, you had to go through an affiliated HSC provider, which is the agency. So, so Home Care so, Director, you, you can't get hired by someone who wants to get to claim a grant from the HSC to pay for you because you're not an approved supplier, as it were. And that is why, Louise, you're telling me so many people are, are just getting out of it because the money isn't there. And when you go and join a platform like Home Care Direct, which sounds like a dinger of a platform, you just won't get the money from the HSE. Uh, the people who want to hire you won't get the money from the HSE. Louise, it's an interesting topic of conversation to which we will return. Thanks for that. And good luck in your career, wherever you choose. T- choose to, to take it. Just looking at those wages though for people going out to work with elderly people and people of reduced mobility and maybe sick children in their own homes. People providing this essential home care, this essential uh, service. 
in home care and eleven fifty to twelve euro. There are German supermarkets, certain German supermarkets, where once you've done about a year, you'll earn that on the tills. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's not good money money for the work required of a home care worker. Not on a, in a fit. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. But Louise has given an interesting insight. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, I spoke a couple of months ago to Richard Grogan, uh, the employment, employment lawyer who at that time was building up quite a following for himself on TikTok from his uh, short videos ending with the catchphrase, that's the law and that's a fact. Now he's got 242,000 followers which is some achievement. And I guess when you have a following of that size, people start to come to you with questions about certain topics of their employ- of employment law. And I know that you've been getting some in recent times, Richard, about maternity leave, and you've made some videos in conjunction with that. Good morning. Good morning to you. How are you? Good. I, obviously, I've never had to apply for maternity leave myself, and and I work in a company where you know it has a good reputation for for what it, you know how it how it deals with it. But the, the application for maternity leave in itself is complex. It seems to me way too complex for something that so many of your employees are going to be taking. Not really. I mean, it's it, it they. they Claiming it off the social welfare for the two hundred and forty-five euros a week is a bit more complex. It's simply a matter of notifying the employer uh, that you're pregnant, and then when your expected date is that you'll be going on maternity. It's it it's there's not any massive forms or anything else that has to be filled out. You know, you can do it on a piece of paper, or you can send them an email. Right. It's, it's not difficult applying for it. That's not where the problems actually arise. So where ever, do they arise? really? We're, we're, we've seen due to the pandemic, and it's it, we, it was always there, but we've seen a significant rise in uh, women on maternity being made redundant, and then at the at the end of their um, maternity leave, not being allowed, or others not being allowed back to the job that they had before they went on maternity leave, uh, and both of those, are, of course, are completely illegal in Irish law. Yeah. That's the problem. You're entitled and, to go back the, to the same job. Yes, that's in the Maternity Protection Act. It gives you the right to go back to the same job. Um, and as regards being made redundant when you're on maternity, the European legislation, it's in the equality legislation, it's deemed to be what they call a specially protected period. And you cannot be made redundant when you're on maternity. There's two exceptions. One is the business closes down. That's that's acceptable. The other one is that there's a collective redundancy. So that's where that's that's one that's where you ha- where the employer has to notify the the minister, and there's a, a lot of procedures to be gone through. You know but the, bit the, only about, one. the bit about coming back to to the same job. What happens if the company, shall we say, has moved on, and that job, such as it was, no longer exists? What happens then? 
Well, that then becomes in, that then then there may be an issue of redundancy arising at that stage, but you know it's it's not that normal, if I can put it that way, that the job that you've done before you went out on maternity has now ceased. So you know there there it's very unusual mm. that somebody comes back and that job that you did was gone. Can I say the issues that we're seeing coming up to somebody coming back? We say they. They led a team of four people. They suddenly come back and they're leading a team of nobody. Yeah, yeah. These are the ones that these are the ones that are coming up. And what, what I would then? say to you, well, then they're down to the down to the WRC with a significant claim for uh, I want my job back because this is a kind of a, effectively a demotion, if I can put it to you that way. See. Which is now what I, I would also say to you, by the way, if you're out on maternity and you and I wouldn't have ever had this. But if you're out on maternity and a, prom, a job comes up for that would be a promotion and you would be able to go for that. Yeah. You actually have to be notified of it and you should be considered for it. And if you're the suitable client, uh, person, you should actually get that job. So there's a lot of protections there, right. but they're not being. But we've seen in the last two years a significant increase. And that's why I was putting it up on TikTok because I was getting an awful lot of questions from people on maternity and mm. you were saying, and I was saying, look, this is a real problem uh, that I, I knew it was there, but I hadn't seen, thought it was as bad as it was. Now, you give a date to your employer, like you said, and we'll say for argument's sake, someone now has put in their application, it's all been cleared, and they're finishing for maternity on, we shall say, the 31st of August, okay? And then their health goes against them a little bit. And the doctor says, look, really, you're not going to be able to work beyond the first or second week of August. And I'll sign you off sick uh, until your maternity leave kicks in. Sometimes a person will be asked, well, just start your mat leave. Well, no, there's, there are the position in relation to that sick leave because that's related yeah. to it. It's not a question of starting the maternity leave. Now, there are times, by the way, that uh, that a woman will be pregnant um, and uh, she becomes unwell. In those circumstances, which might be earlier on in the in yeah. the in the pregnancy, and they go and they're they're not well at all and they're not going to be able to work. The employer has to do a health and safety assessment. If the employer does it and and it comes back at look, no, this this lady cannot continue working. Yeah. As it is, then the employer can put her out on what is called health and safety leave, but they pay and they pay her a full month's uh, right. salary. And they can't start her uh, early on the mat leave. Is that no, date set in stone? Well, the it's it's up to the employee because there's a there's a period of time that the employee can start the maternity, but the employer cannot say, "Well, I want you to start your maternity leave earlier, or I want you to start it later." That's absolutely within the control of the woman. That's her right to determine when she goes out on maternity leave, because remember, um, you know, th- this is a time when a, a woman is there to bond with her child. Yes. And it's not up to the employer to say, well, you're not very well at the moment, so I'd like you to start your maternity leave early. No, that's not allowed. Okay. It's, that's, that's the woman's right. Yeah. Richard, I suppose people who work for, for good companies that look after their rights, they're listening to this conversation um, and they're wondering where the problem is because they've always been well looked after. But I'm thinking of a lot of people who were listening to me this morning who would have what, that word precarious employment or, or a boss that isn't the best and they're working in the gig economy and all this nonsense. What rights do they have? 
the the gig economy is particularly uh, difficult. So if if you're a self-employed contractor, that's what you will be in the gig economy. The only protection you actually have in those circumstances is not to be fired because you're pregnant. Other than that, uh, other than that, you have the, the the protections are not there, and this is this is a problem. If people sign up contracts as to be a self-employed contractor, they really need to know what they're signing up for because there are very few protections for them. Yeah, if you're self-employed, your maternity leave is a whole different business, isn't it? Well, if you're self-employed, it's your business. Yeah. So you know, uh, so if you're self-employed, this is you still will get the the state benefit of two forty-five a week, two hundred forty-five euro a week for twenty-six weeks, but. Um, the issue on it is uh, you're self-employed, so that is the the issue that a lot of self-employed people can't take the full maternity leave, yeah. simply because they're, they're they're not going to get any form of maternity pay other than the state pay, and they they have to keep running a business. Mm. So that's a diff, that's a different group, and the gig economy is a real problem, uh, unfortunately. But look, can I say to you that most most women are going to be in a job where the employer understands what's happening, is used to it, it's, it's part and parcel of running a business. The, the problems are only with, uh, with the small minority of employers, but what the difficulty on it is, that minority is increasing a little bit at the present time, and anybody of, any of us who are doing employment law are seeing a significant increase in those issues, mm. which is worrying. Yes, it is, Richard. Richard, thank you very much for being with us again on the Opinion Line. Employment lawyer and TikTok star, Richard Grogan. That's the law and that's a fact. Look him up. He, he does all sorts of stuff. Short videos of 25 seconds or 30 seconds or up to a minute or two. I shall see this thing on... Thanks, Richard. Did I see this thing on TikTok uh, in the last 24 hours or so? I was just browsing around. Uh, can you now put up up to 10 minutes at a time? On TikTok, because there was a, there was you had to put up a couple of different things. It was they've 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 changed the platform. That's the problem with all these things; they change faster than I can understand them. But TikTok is just the biggest thing in the world now. And uh, Richard Grogan's got two hundred and forty-two thousand followers. Uh, if you want to know anything about your employment law, get up there and have a look. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. John says, after listening to your interview with Louise, I'd like to announce that I'm starring in a film. Are you, John? It's a reboot of an older film. It's about Ireland, and it's called No Country for Old Men, Old Women, or Sick Children. Here's a man who who might be after my job one day. That's at the in-house radio station of uh, CSN, as we all called it. Gloucester Stephon Nafa, but now known as the Cork College of uh, Further Education and Training at the Tremor Road campus. But that guy is Tony Sayers. He's a student there uh, in Peter Neal's radio course. And he went on to using that particular game, and I'll give you the answer in a minute. Actually, I'll give it to you now, because they came back with the answer within about a minute's time. Here's the answer to that. If you're wondering what those lyrics were in high Shakespearean English. Fun game, fun game. His name is Tony Sayers. And he was awarded recently uh, Radio DJ of the Year at the Student Media Awards in Dublin, which is a huge achievement, not just for Tony, but for everybody involved in the course at what we would call CSN. I caught up with him last evening. Tony Sears, congratulations. Now, given that we all know, those of us in this side of the industry, all know Peter O'Neill of old, we're not at all surprised that he's turning out uh, award-winning DJs. But, but how did it all come about? 
Uh, well, you know, I'm glad that you brought up Peter O'Neill because, to be honest, I, I don't think I would have been able to have done it without him. Um, and he was the one who came to me, first of all, and said, oh, you know, we've got the Student Media Awards coming up. We, we had a student uh, a couple of years ago that managed to win it. And um, he was like, you know, would you like to, to go for it? And I was like, ah, oh, you know, of course I will. I'll, I'll put it in, not really thinking that anything might come of it, of course. But, yeah, then, you know, I'm looking at it about three or four weeks later on um, inside the Aviva Stadium. Suddenly my name gets called out and it's all a little bit shocking, but yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And, um, yeah, like I said, um, you know, the course at, um, you know, it was called CSN, but now Court College of, um, of FET Tremoro Campus. That's brought out a lot of really good radio presenters. I'm really glad to be able to, to carry that on. Yeah, a fair few of them have gone on to play their trade at this radio station, I may tell you. How did you get into the course in the first place? Was radio something you always wanted to do? Yeah, it, it's one of those things I've had in the back of my mind. Um, and I was looking to go back into education. And, you know, I was looking through the courses and um, it was just, you know, it was one of, the, one of the only things that really jumped out at me. And I was like, oh, radio broadcasting, that sounds like something I've always wanted to do. But, you know, I never even realized there was like a course for it before I looked for it. So I was one of those people that, unfortunately, maybe this probably isn't the best way to go about it. But once I saw that was the course I wanted, I went in straight for that. I had no other plan B. So I'm glad that they took me on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was delighted. That's not a Cork accent, Tony. Tell me about yourself. <laughs> Well, I'm originally um, from England, uh, but I moved uh, to Ireland uh, around like 14 years ago. Um, you know, in a couple of years, I would have lived here longer than I did in, in England. So, um, mm. yeah, I'm, I've fallen in love with, with Cork in general. I don't see myself going anywhere else. I absolutely love it here. Mm. What brought you here in the first place? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm sure this is a story that um, a few other people from maybe outside the country have had where you're meeting a very nice uh, cork girl and then you end up deciding, okay, I want to want to see if this works. And I'm glad to say that all this time over on, it was probably one of the best choices I made that led me to come over here. And, you know, I've got two great children and, um, yeah, absolutely adore it. And, um, yeah, I've got a lot of cork pride in me. <laughs> Good man. And tell me, do you have ambitions to take this further? Should I be watching my job? Well, I, I wouldn't do that to you, PJ. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare do that to you. Um, yeah, but I've got, I've got a lot of ambitions. I'm really hoping to, you know, get a slot somewhere, and you know, hopefully, you know, you know, people might be able to hear me over the airwaves sometime soon. That's definitely um, where I want to go. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll have my fingers crossed and just keep working. That's all you can really do, isn't it? You just keep plying your trade and see what happens from there. Well, a great achievement for you and a great achievement for Pete and the team and the college, which is why we wanted to highlight a little bit. Tony, the best of luck with your future in this wonderful industry of ours. Take care. Thank you very much, PJ. Thank you. It's Tony Sayers, Student DJ of the Year, student of the course in radio broadcasting at what It'll always be Steve Arnafa uh, to those of us who knew it as that, but it's got a whole new name now. Uh, the Cork College of FET, Trumore Road Campus. Congratulations to Tony. 0818 now, and to his sidekick, and I've no doubt, <laughs> uh, far more than that, Paige, she, 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 I was listening to some more of the recording. They have great fun together on the air gas all together. 0818-96-96-96. Come here to me. Three weeks from today, we will be right in the thick of it with the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon. And this day, three weeks, will be our Jersey Day, Friday, May 27th.
want you to wear your jersey to work, to school, wear it at home, wear it around the block, wear it out doing your business, going to the shops, and just help to raise some money for the Giving for Living Radiothon. So good to have it back. So good to have it back between 26th and 28th May. And there's other ways you can help. You can. We couldn't do coffee breaks for the last couple of years. So you can do them this year now. So you can set one up at work, or at school, at home, wherever. Or you can collect the coins in the box and put them into a, so many ways. You can find out all the information, how you do it, at 96FM. Dot IE. We get you an information pack and all of that. So three weeks from today, we'll be in the thick of it. It starts on the May 26th, Thursday, May 26th. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon. Only on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? Opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Let's get down, let's get down to business. We're back to the music. The Cork's 96 FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Noreen says PJ Starling's love cat food. <laughs> I've noticed that, Noreen. Starlings love cat food and they eat it out of the bowl in the garden when she leaves out the leftover food for her cat. Yeah, it's just so funny to watch them, Noreen. I'm not too sure what, whether it's Starlings. There's another particular bird that comes into the garden. I'm not too, I, I, you get loads of them. But when you have finished with a chicken carcass, okay, you know, you've done what the family can do with a chicken carcass. You've taken as much out of it as you can have for yourself. Just for fun, Put that chicken carcass on a plate or into a bowl and put it out in the garden and just watch. It's like a scene from an Alfred Hitchcock movie. They will come from all sides and they will strip it of whatever is left. It's brilliant to watch. And then put the rest in the food bin, of course. Yeah, Noreen, thanks for that. The Sterlings, they absolutely do love, 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 love cat food. And (laughs) there's probably attics and roof spaces. Fiona was telling me during the news, They've got a roof space at the moment and you can see the, the mammy going in and out and hear the chirping inside. There's a starling nest inside in the in the roof. They'll be gone. If they're there, they'll be gone in a few days or a week or two at most from this time of year. Um, but it's gas. It's it's brilliant. We, we got, they came into our attic a year or two ago and I managed to block them from getting in again. This year, the buggers went up under the eaves, up under the tiles, into that space. And... They've been chirping and shouting and roaring for the last couple of weeks. One of them, we think, fell down the chimney, but he's gone. (laughs) 
It's darling season and they are everywhere. PJ Post, uh, uh, Eugene says, PJ, I posted a video of starlings nesting in the working brushes of a car wash at work. Wow. You see, they'll go anywhere. And at the moment, they're very busy feeding and taking poop sacks from the young. What do you mean, Huge? That bit I don't get. Text me back again and explain what that is because our listeners have an awful lot of interest in in birds. And starlings are living in everyone's attic and roof space this time of year. But as Jim from Birdwatch Ireland has told us more than once, they're grand, they're fine, they're harmless. They'll be gone in a week or two. This is around their time. They'll be gone in a week or two. And then just block up the hole so they can't get in again. 0818 So, um... We're going to go down to Grand Parade where the families unite for services and support the FUS March. They're gathering for it. There's one in Cork, one in Dublin, one in Wexford, all, I believe, kicking off at the same time. And live to uh, 96FM News Report in Moray 2 week. Moray, good morning to you. Is there a crowd there? Good morning, Peter. Yeah, there's a fantastic turnout here on Grand Parade this morning and a hive of activity and uh, mixed with children here, parents here and um, it's great to see it, you know, there's signs and, uh, yeah, as I say, a great turnout. Mm. And, of course, they've got three of these up and down the country. I had Minister Anne Rabbit on the show yesterday in, van- in advance of them, uh, and she said to me, look, she understands the frustration. She sounds like a woman who who knows she's taken over in absolute shambles, but I think people will, will realise uh, or, or will... will uh, they're just trying to get something done for themselves and their kids. I know that you have Katie with you, who was on the show with me a I couple do. of weeks ago. Put me on to her there. Yeah, Katie, clear with me. I'm going to put you on to her now. Hi, PJ. Great. Hi, morning, PJ. Hi, Katie. First of all, how's Penelope? She's not too bad. She's just recovering from surgery she had last Thursday. So um, it's a challenging enough time, and it's kind of hard to get away from home to attend. Yeah. Um, just before we get into that, like this, how much are you, you explained how sick she is and, and how rare her condition is when you were on with me before. But just for, for just as a mum who wants to go to something, how much did you have to arrange today? Oh, well, it's kind of difficult to do. Like, we're just in a lucky position where my husband is working from home and at the minute, Penelope, she's she really is confined to her bed for most of the day. She's, she's very tired and she's sleeping quite a bit and we have two other children as well so he's keeping his eye on them while he's while he's trying to work it's not easy to leave the house in general um and we rely on basically our jack and jill nurses um on other times when 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 we need to get out but Mm. it's tough it's difficult and jack and jill are fantastic absolutely fantastic they're fantastic and like most like most helpful resources in this country they're they're charity um they get no governmental funding um, and they're a resource that families like, like mine and I'm sure many people here this morning rely heavily on and they're a godsend. Yeah. The idea for this march was first raised a few weeks back and I, I spoke to some of the organisers, I spoke to yourself after the meeting with with Anne Rabbit uh, in, in the city and Anne was on the programme yesterday. I get the impression from her that she's a woman who realises she's taken over a shambles and, and also realises that she has very little power to do anything about it, which for the likes of you must be even more frustrating than it is for me listening to her. I think she realises that she, she does, unfortunately, have very little power, but I think she is coming to the realisation that she has been completely misled um, and it, it then puts her in a difficult position of facing families like, like ours um, who've been so 
devastatingly let down and she kind of faces the wrath of us all and of course it's nothing personal but we need to tell her our stories and they need to be heard and they need to be heard widely in order for, for people to take to take note and as I said before until everybody cares no one will care until this is an issue on everybody's lips mm. this every politician you meet should be made aware of the situation with the disability services in Ireland. Mm. This isn't a Cork-only problem. It is nationwide and it is horrific. I paid, played back to her your account of being at the meeting where you felt that you were brushed aside for the next person. And, and she said to me that she, she was very bothered that you thought that, that she was upset that you thought that. But that, that, it, that is what it is. So... <sighs> The problems of today are the problems of 10 years ago and the problems of 20 years ago. This is yes, stuck. They are. This is stuck fast and going nowhere. That's the general feeling among parents, isn't it? It's, if you raise an issue with any politician or anyone in this country and you say that this is the situation with the disability services, you are told oh, well, there's plenty of funding there and there's X amount of funding in, in your jurisdiction and there shouldn't be the struggles for services. There shouldn't be the struggles for equipment. But there is. Um, and it's it's just unjustifiable at this stage. Families don't want to be disclosing their children's personal details. Don't want to be talking. I don't want to be here, but it's vital that I am here yes. this morning. Um, and I, I really feel that most of the people in attendance would much prefer to be at home with their loved ones, to be perfectly honest with you, instead of putting yourself in a vulnerable position. And it's it's just... I keep saying it, it's extremely tough. Did you get the seat that you were talking about the last time for the bath? We, no, no, no. Um, we've been in contact with um, our occupational therapist who is incredibly helpful, but she, she's working under a very tight um, <laughs> run budget with the HSE and she's doing her absolute best for us. I've sourced the seat that our daughter needs and um, our occupational therapist is trying to, to get us a trial with it and See, hopefully going forward that's what's there'll be some ridiculous. progress. That's, what's also, that's what I put to Anne Rabbit yesterday. And to be fair to the woman, she agreed with me. Here's the, your, your OT has found the seat. You've sourced it. The OT is looking at it. A trial in, in a properly run system. Okay, Katie, how much is it? We'll have it delivered to you next week. It's, it's difficult and I can understand why, um, you know, no two children are the same. There's different needs there, but unfortunately there's contracts with the HSE and these companies get the contracts and it doesn't matter if your child has a, a life-limiting disability like my daughter, which is relatively unknown. Um, and like her tone in her body it's it's very changeable one yeah. day she could look like she can sit the next day she can hardly lift her head um so, so no two pieces of, of equipment suit any two children and the fact of the matter is we're experts in our children we know what they need but yeah. we are not experts we're not physios we're not occupational therapists we're not slts we're doing our best and we're yeah. trying to source the products yeah. and we shouldn't have to fundraise yeah. and friends and family shouldn't have to fundraise for us but yeah. that's the position that we're in unfortunately and katie you've made a very stark point that i've made to minister after minister do you know, the parents have forgotten more about their child than any professional will ever know. They need to be part of the discussion. Like 10 minutes at an appointment where your child is seen once in a blue moon, I can't give them a full clinical diagnosis of your child's needs. We're 
caring for our daughter 24-7. She has extremely high care needs. And unfortunately, sometimes when we are offered uh, appointments, we have to miss them due to ill health. Um, And it's just... It's, it's it's just a terrible, terrible system we're in and hopefully now with people coming together there'll be some sort of reform but who knows. Well that's that's what you're hoping will start today isn't it that people will start to sit up and take notice I know this, you can hear the speaking starting behind you, would you put me back on tomorrow Ray, there just for a sec and I'll talk to you again Katie and my best to yourself and Penelope and the rest of the family okay Thank you very much, thank Cheers. you Bye-bye. Cheers Katie so, Maria, the speeches are, are underway. Who's, who's scheduled to, to address this, do you know? So, yeah, the speeches have just started here, Peter. I'm just going to head into the, the middle of it there now to, to see, as I understand, there's about three or four speakers here this morning. So there's one uh, lady speaking now about her situation, about her, her child. So I'm going to get in there, and if I get more, uh, if I chat to more people, I'll be sure to send it through to you guys to, to hear the stories from the, the Grand Parade here this morning. But certainly an impressive turnout. Absolutely, it's it's amazing to see it. Are they going to move on from there, or are they staying there? As far as I'm aware, they're they're staying here um, for the speeches, at least anyway. And I'll I'll keep you updated um, if if it progresses. Thank you so much. We come come back to you. Thank you. That's more into it. Parks ninety six of M News reported before that. Katie Healy Nolan. It looks like they've had a very good turnout for the Fuss March. Families unite for services and support. Uh, don't know how it's going to go in Dublin. Don't know how to go to go, how it's going to go in Wexford. But here in Cork, certainly a, a sizable turnout uh, this morning. And we will touch base again with Moraid during the course of the morning. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. Yes! Cash! The Two Grand Minute. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Eugene was back on about the, the poop sack. I didn't realise this. You learn something every day. The droppings of many baby birds. Are, I know, I'm sorry. I apologise if you haven't seen a scone. <laughs> the droppings of many baby birds are enclosed in a tough membrane called a sack. Nestlings usually produce one sack after each feed. Parents then remove the little bundles in their beaks, flying them away for disposal at a separate location. My goodness me. The birds were doing waste management before we knew what it was. (laughs) Mind you, Eugene, I know where they drop them. (laughs) They drop them on your deck. They drop them on your tables outside. They drop them on your garden chairs. They drop them on your head. But still, they take them out of the roof space. Thanks, huge. Jimmy says, I'm just watching starlings in my back garden now, eating the leftovers from my hedgehog food. What? We've two wild hedgehogs called Harry and Henrietta. We feed them with ground-down peanuts. My last job every night. The starlings then polish off the leftovers the following day. The hedgehogs hibernate under the garden shed and they're out around the garden from early March onwards. They're lovely little things. 
That's nice, Jimmy. I, I have had a couple of hedgehogs uh, in the fences, in the ditches around the spaces around Coogan Towers a couple of times, but <laughs> the dogs don't take to it well. The dogs don't like it. The dogs stand there and bark like two dopey Egypts at this little spiky ball on the grass that's going nowhere, that's not afraid of them, doesn't seem to bother them. And they're just standing there barking like two loons. But they are lovely, the little hedgehogs, they're gorgeous. 0818 96 96 96. Today, in case you didn't know it, is Stuttering Awareness Day. And there are hundreds and thousands of people around the country that have a stutter and that live with and try to deal with a stutter. And it can be very debilitating in life. As part of Stuttering Awareness Day, an invitation has been sent officially to President Joe Biden, the POTUS, uh, to come to Cork and visit Cork. And it is sent in conjunction with Stuttering Awareness Day. I've been talking to uh, the co-founder of a group called Stuttering Awareness Mental Wellbeing Ireland, Corkman Jamie Guggen. Jamie, I'll talk in a minute about the invitation you've extended to President Joe Biden to come to Cork. But with it being Stuttering Awareness Day, tell me your own story. I suppose uh, for almost 20 years, I lived with a stutter. When I was three years old, I fell and I hit my head and I ended up knocking out my front teeth. And I think it was that moment um, I developed a stutter. And growing up as a stutter is always very, very difficult to express yourself the way that you want to because you cannot say your name, you cannot say where you're from, you can go into a shop and you cannot order, um, you cannot order what you want. So it is very, very difficult. And I think that there was two moments in my life where it had a significant impact on me. And the very first moment was my first day in secondary school. And it was the assembly. And with that assembly, there was 97 people in the room. And they all had to say their names and where they're from, their hobbies and interests. And I was the third last person, but I knew I was going to stutter. And when it came to me, I stuttered badly. And I think it, that was the first experience that I had where an entire room laughed. And you know, that experience uh, stayed with me. And the second one then was when I went to CIT, which is now MTU, and I had to deliver my very first presentation and the presentation was supposed to last 15 minutes, but with that presentation, I could not get past the first slide and I couldn't say my name and I couldn't introduce what I was about to talk about. But I left that room with a lot of shame and guilt and embarrassment and I ended up going into isolation. So I went through a very dark period then and I locked myself away for three days and I had some very bad thoughts in my mind. But um, on day three, I picked up the phone and I reached out and I asked for help and I received that help from uh, Michael O'Shea who is involved in this campaign with me alongside Michael Ryan also. 
and I spend a lot of time with uh, Michael O'Shea and you know together um, we found a pathway out of my uh, stuttering. Now you, you've just been speaking to me there for a little over two minutes and in, to my untrained ear there's no evidence of a stutter so are you using a technique right now Jamie? Over the last eight years, um, you know, I was led to believe that I could overcome it. And only with hard, real hard work and putting yourself in um, uncomfortable situations and getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, um, I think it, it was then that um, I was able to uh, break free from my mindset, my stuttering mindset, and I could you know, deliver um, these wonderful uh, speeches and everything at MTU, but you know, it does take time and it takes a lot of hard work, um, retraining your mind and uh, retraining um, how to speak all over again. Right, right. You know, talk to me about the invitation to President Biden. Why do you want to invite him to Cork? No, as people who stutter, we all learn and develop from each other, and we came together. Myself, Michael Ryan, Michael O'Shea, and a wonderful presenter in Con Hurley. And we came together to create a positive impact within the Irish stuttering community. And if you want to create a positive impact, you go straight to the very top of the spear. And sitting there is the President Joe Biden. And he is the only world leader that can create an impact with 50,000 people in Ireland. He is the only one. And as people who stutter and we all learn and develop from each other, and I listen a lot to the president and I listen to a lot of his speeches. And the president will always talk about his love of Ireland and his Irish roots. And he'd also frequently speak about how he himself had overcome his stuttering. He spoke about this as president-elect. He did a town hall with... Anderson Cooper, who is the CNN correspondent, yes. and the president spoke about confidence and public speaking and how he himself overcome his stuttering. But he's also speak about his love of Irish poetry, because as a young man, the president would look in the mirror and he'd read the poetry of Yeats, and he'd read the book of Emerson quotes. And that was his way of improving his speech patterns, gaining confidence, and eventually overcoming his own challenges with stuttering. And we see this a lot where um, he is the guest of honor for the American Institute of Stuttering. And he reaches out to young children and he says to them, do not let this define you and that you can dream big and that you can achieve anything that you want to. Mm. He has said at least that he wants to come to Ireland. He told the Taoiseach that on St. Patrick's Day. Is it in conjunction with that, that you want to try and bring him to Cork? Yes, we want to uh, hopefully bring him to Cork. And you know, I think it's wonderful that our campaign has managed to combine a city and county and we're all united in this. And with the invitation to sign by the leadership of Munster Technological University, University College Cork, on Garda Síochána, Cork City Council, Cork County Council, and we've joined the leadership of these organizations together 
to bring the president, Joe Biden, to Cork and to speak on stuttering and to reach out to those 50,000 people who are struggling with this on a daily basis. Yeah, and therein comes the the mental well-being side of it. You explained yourself how you had your dark times. I imagine trying to live with a stutter can be extremely difficult and challenging at times. It is very, very difficult because um, you can't um, express yourself that the way you want to. And and uh, you know, growing up as a child, um, I always had to introduce myself using my older brother's name, Ross. And you know, that was one of my coping mechanisms uh, to deal with stuttering. And Do you mind me asking why that was? I could say my brother's name uh, fluently and I would not stutter on his name. Right. Where if I said my own name, um, I would never have been able to say it. And you no know, being and saying your own name, um, a lot of people think that you no, know, it is one of the most easiest things to do. But you no, know, for people who stutter, that is a really big challenge for them. Crikey. And even to just maybe go into a fast food restaurant and order um, a takeaway. Um, I used to have to write my order down on a piece of paper and hand it to the person behind the counter because I wouldn't have been able to say. Uh, what I wanted, and I would have really embarrassed myself. Oh, my goodness. And that, of course, leads to to mental health worries and anxiety and all of that. Jamie, I really wish you well with this. Apart from that, Nels, I'd love to see President Biden uh, coming to Cork, but he'd be coming for a really good cause, as it were. So I wish you well. And uh, again, I imagine that doing an interview for radio is a challenge when you have a stutter. You've done extraordinarily well today, and thank you. Thank you very much, Peter, and thank you for allowing me on your show today. That's Jamie from Stuttering Awareness Mental Wellbeing Ireland. If you Google it, you get all their contact details. And he, as he told you, as he told me, um, from three, he had a little accident when he was three and developed a stutter as a result. But now in whatever age he is now, He's dealing with it, and boy, is he dealing with it. That's super. Thank you, Jamie. 0818969696. When we were kids and through our teens, we had a close friend who had a stutter. The main thing we knew was to never finish his sentences for him when he stuttered in conversation. His confidence with us was that he knew we chatted away with him and would wait for him when he was caught on certain words. Today, he's very confident. That's from Mick was at work in ovens. Yeah, I spoke to another woman about stuttering uh, last year. Um, I think Claire was her name. She was based in Dublin. And I put that question to her because I had a colleague, we had a colleague here at 96 m one time who had a stutter. And we were good friends. We used to go for a pint together. But I would be discussing uh, something. They'd talk about match or talking about politics or whatever. And he would get to the end of a sentence and the word just wouldn't come. And I finished his sentence for him one night, thinking I was helping. And he looks at me and he goes, if you ever do that again, you'll end up wearing your Guinness. It's not the thing you do. You might think you're helping, but you're not. And the same, that woman Claire said this to me as well last, last year. You might think you're helping, but you're not. What you're saying to the person is, I can't be bothered waiting for you. Get on with it. 
So if that's one thing you learn about stuttering, if you have someone who has a stutter of any kind, never, ever, ever finish their sentence or never, ever, ever speak the word you know they're trying to speak. It's a lesson to learn. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Desperado present a tribute to the Eagles playing their greatest hits and the band will recreate the legendary sound of the Eagles along with the attention to detail on the harmony vocals. The show takes place at the Everyman Theatre on Saturday, May 21st. Access all areas. Cork Opera House is set to host the special concert in aid of the Irish Red Cross Ukraine appeal taking place on Friday 13th of May. This exceptional event will feature Ruby Horse, the White Horse Guitar Club, Karen Underwood, Carrick Tuhill Gospel Choir and the White Horse Gospel Choir. Tickets are on sale now from the Opera House box office. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on the side On Cork's 96FM Can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. What do you buy the person who has everything? Eh? Buy him a Range Rover? Then they... Buy him a, an apartment in Dubai. No, buy him an island. Buy them an island off the coast. There's a few of them for sale at the moment. The sales of private islands actually have soared. Our islands are in high demand. There's a place off West Cork at the moment which is called West Calf Island. It's in Roaring Water Bay and it's for sale at the moment. Uh, with the sellers thinking that an alpaca farm might be a nice thing to have on it. But the, soar, the, the sales of private islands off our coasts have soared in the past number of years. Dominic J. Daly has done quite an amount of selling of these places. Dominic, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Good morning. Good, good to, to talk to you. It's been a while. Tell me, what, what is the attraction of an island? Admittedly, West Calf is beautiful, but it has no electricity, no, no pier. It's only 25 hectares, and it's got nothing, no electricity, nothing. 
what's the what's the attraction of these islands? Well, the one I'm actually selling is Middle Calf. Yes. Which adjoins West Calf, um, but it doesn't have electricity. But I'm sure you could get around that with uh, solar panels. Yes. Or in the old days, people used generators. Mm-hmm. And it does have a herd of Kerry bog ponies <laughs> who seem to be very happy out there. <laughs> and you'd be buying the bog ponies. They're included if you'd like them. Although I've had an approach from someone else who's interested in them as well. So. There's a thing, Dominic. Who actually originally owned an island like that? I think they were fishermen, um, small farmers, mm. people who eked out a living. There was even a school there right. on Middle Calf, which facilitated the, the eastern and western calf as well. Wow. Oh. And would yeah. they, like would they have been owned by the state? Like I mean, obviously, Roaring Water Bay. You're, you're, it's part of Ireland. It's the the, the side of the land, as it were. Were they? Are they part of oh, the no. state? No. The, the, these are all in private ownership, right? Uh, individual, a lot of individuals are private, or just one individual, right? Yeah. yeah. And is is it? You, is you it, go to Cape Clear, yeah, and they have multiple ownership there, right? Yeah. Okay. So, if I wanted to buy the one you're selling now, how much would I be looking middle at calf. paying? Middle calf. How much would I be looking at paying? Well, the the, the asking price is seven hundred and fifty thousand, oh. and there are a couple of people who have indicated interest at that level, oh. and surprisingly, um, they're all coming from Ireland at present. Mm. It used to be people coming from abroad. Mm. What seems to be the attraction? Um, it's a very, very nice environment. And then solitude, um, doing your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Horse yeah. Island being sold a couple of years ago. Yes, that's been sold a couple of times. There was even a rumour um, some years ago that Horse Island was going to um, house the French government in the, in the event of any um, serious crisis somewhere else. Frankie, did they foresee something the rest of us didn't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was a few years ago. It's yeah. got an English owner yeah. now, I think, based in France. It, it has, and it was owned by an Irish person for the last few years, and he sold it last year. Yeah, and that, that's got a fairly decent house on it and guest cottages. Like, that's, that's a place now, like, that you could, you could make some kind of millionaire's playground out of it. Oh, you could have multiple op- occupation there. It's 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 big enough. That that's about 150 acres, I think, from memory. Mm. Decent sized island. You could even have a a viable farm there. And can anybody? Yeah. Be, I mean, could I could I sell my house? Not that I'm going to, but could I sell my house and and buy an island? It, or is there anything special about the the transaction? The nothing, involved, nothing, no? nothing stopping you at all. It's 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 open to anyone, provided there. Um, Accredited, that they're upfront, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that they would use it for the right use. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you, you you wouldn't want to buy it and put a couple of hundred houses on it. Like it, it wouldn't be the, the oh, thing. I, I don't think Cork County Council would go for that. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. The last thing you, I mean, yeah, I I know I know a fella. You you may know the place Hare Island. 
Uh, I, have, yes. I have a pal who has a, an old cottage on it going back a long, long time. Yeah. And I said, you know what you should do now? I said, put a, load of, put a hotel on it and a swimming pool and all of them. He said, you want the county council to have a seizure. And the, the inaccessibility of some of them, Dominic, that's the attraction. Yes, it? it is. Yeah. Mm. Um, you need a good, a good boat or, or a landing craft mm. or in the good days, a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and you'd be fairly cut off, like for large periods of the year. You would, but weather forecasting is good now, so you 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 can plan what your time on the island is going to be. Yeah, yeah. it's the it's the ultimate millionaire's playground, or the fella whoever has seven hundred and fifty grand to spare. Yeah. Uh, it's the ultimate playground for them. Yeah. It's 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 fascinating, and it's, it, I think it's good to see. It's, 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 we hear about people buying islands off Bermuda and buying islands off off wherever. They're buying islands off off West Cork, and it's a story we're talking about. Dominic, I know that you are a man who loves and knows his rugby because I've met you many times over the years at many a game. How will Munster do tomorrow? Do you think? I'm hoping they're going to do well, mm. but. My my connection mainly is through my son-in-law. You, you know might that. know. And the son-in-law, the son-in-law <laughs> was saying Toulouse always come up with something, but we once we beaten them yeah. before. They have, and please God, they'll do it again. Yeah, <laughs> Dominic, thanks. Always good to catch up. Um, um, father-in-law of the great Ron O'Gara, by the way, for those of you who didn't know. Uh, yes, selling an island down in West Cork, it's just casual as breathing, really. Seven hundred and fifty grand will buy you an island off the coast of West Cork. Got no electricity. <laughs> or no running water. Put all of that. 0818 96 96 96. Would you like to buy somebody an island? I know there's a lot of people who would like to buy an island and put me out there and let me there. There is an astonishing piece of sculpture coming to Cove. Uh, it'll be here in the summertime and you're just going to have to get down there and take a look at it to understand its breathtaking size and what it actually does it's a globe of the world but that's kind of only the half of it it's a globe of the world and it actually rotates it's an astonishing thing I've seen some videos and photographs of it and I just can't wait to get down and actually stand under it and see it it's been brought to Cork, uh, by, with the help of Gary and Anne Wilson, the owners of Bell Valley Castle. And it'll be here for the second half of June. Uh, the artist is Luke Jerram and he joins me. Luke, good morning. Good morning. Photographs and videos, I don't think do it justice, but it looks <coughs> quite spectacular. Tell me the story of this sculpture. Um, yeah, so I suppose we are undergoing... The sixth mass extinction, we have a climate crisis, and I wanted to try to do something about it, to try to give people a sense of, of what the planet looks like from, from space. There's, there is actually something called the overview effect, where when astronauts go into space for the first time and they look down at the, at the Earth, mm. they often become overwhelmed by the beauty and the wonder of what they're, what they're seeing. It's an extraordinary thing. Yeah. And every astronaut has that same experience. And then when they come back to Earth, these astronauts often become uh, sort of environmental campaigners. And so I wanted to create an artwork that would give people a sense of what it would be like to be floating in space, looking down at the planet. Uh, and, and the Earth artwork I've made is, yeah, it's a... 
seven meter diameter sphere and it's going to be suspended in the cathedral uh, and it's all made of sort of high resolution nasa imagery so you can see our planet as though you're sort of floating in space and it's on a little motor as well so it's slowly revolving yeah. uh, and it comes with a surround sound composition by a composer called dan jones so it's got the sounds of um the oceans and wow. sounds of animal species and a whole range of beautiful music that helps to connect the beautiful architecture of the cathedral with the artwork itself those um, pictures of which you speak I think Chris Hadfield when he was in the space station a couple of years ago took some phenomenal photographs of, of the sky and this I, so this is you've, you've made an artwork based on those photographs yeah that's right it's all, all made of sort of high resolution NASA imagery about 72 DPI so we've got an, uh, we're using imagery that's effectively about 23 metres across and that's wrapped around a sphere the whole artwork is also internally illuminated so if you see it in the evening it's probably best wow. uh because it kind of glows uh yeah it's very beautiful and i've i've probably i think we've probably had about 200 exhibitions of this in about 30 countries around the world mm. so it'll be a, you know really nice to be able to bring it to cork which is such a great city i really love it i'm, I'm a bit sad i'm not coming back to be honest but mm. um I'm, I'm hoping the public will enjoy this artwork anyway what, what's it made of luke uh, it's made of a fabric that's all been sort of stitched together. Um, and then it's got, yes, this light inside. But from the public's perspective, you won't really know what it's made of. There's a, there is a sort of sense of, um, yeah, it's, all, it's very sort of awe-inspiring and beautiful and sublime. And I think people will, they'll, they'll yeah, some people will be quite emotionally moved, really. And, and I think I try to make artwork that have multiple doors of entry. So if you're a four-year-old child, you know, you won't have seen anything like this before. This could be your first view of the planet, perhaps. Whereas if you're, um, you know, an environmental campaigner or a marine biologist or uh, someone interested in meteorology or geography, you know, you'll, you'll get something else out of it. It's all both sort of scientifically accurate, but also sort of an artistic, uh, artistically moving experience for people as well. When I was a boy, I, I had a treasured possession. I had a globe of the world that somebody gave me a gift, but there was a little bulb inside in it and you could turn it on at night. And I'm imagining that this is something like that on a huge scale. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, I suppose it is in some ways. Um, it's an interesting thing because this artwork is, you know, it's 1.8 million times smaller than the actual Earth. So you're looking at something that is much smaller than the real thing. And yet you've got an object in front of you that's seven metres across and floating above your head. So it's much bigger than you. So there's this interesting sort of play with scale, which is quite interesting. And we often find people, yeah, lie all over the floor and uh, sort of have relaxing moments underneath it. Uh, everyone takes photographs of it and selfies and all the rest of it. Um, so... Yeah, often there's a sort of program of events taking place beneath it. So we've had yoga performances and choirs singing and, um, yeah, astronomy lectures, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Cove Cathedral, St. Coleman's, is the tallest church in Ireland. It's got this massive, massive ceiling. So it's going to look great there. Yeah, it should fit right in. It does look like an incredible... um, uh, cathedral, and I'm yeah, I'm very grateful for the cathedral allowing this artwork to to arrive. Generally, wherever this artwork goes, it draws large, large audiences. So I know we had the artwork in um, Liverpool Cathedral, which is one of the largest in Europe, and I think they had two hundred thousand visitors in about wow. three weeks. Oh, yeah. um, but 
How do you move? So, yeah, to be How do you transport I, something that size? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got a well. I've got a moon artwork as well, uh, which which goes in a well, in, in, it goes in a little crate. Actually, it's very easy to transport. But when the artwork went to um, to Leicester, uh, I, I on social media, someone said, "Well, how do you, how do you transport it?" And I said, "Well, it took us six months to get permission to take all the stained glass windows out, and then of course we had to take it in through the windows using cranes." And um, there was sort of outrage. And all the press turned up, you know, sort of outraged that we'd taken out all the stained glass windows mm. to get this massive artwork in. But, of course, it was just a joke. Uh, it's and <laughs> down, does it? it? Yeah, 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 it comes apart, yeah. <laughs> so it's absolutely, it's absolutely fine. But it's, um, yeah, I quite like that. So it, there's lots of opportunities. There was a little girl who came up to me when we presented the moon in uh, in Cork a few years ago, and she said, will you put the moon back afterwards? <laughs> so she stolen the real moon. That was very nice. Fantastic. Luke, it's at St. Coleman's from the 15th to 26th June, and admission is free, and I certainly will be down there for a look at it. It looks, it, if it looks even half as good in real life as it does on video and in photographs, it's going to be astounding. And uh, thank you for bringing it to Cork uh, so we can see its your, your work. That's Luke Jerram and uh, his magnificent artwork. The, the sculpture of the earth is coming to St. Coleman's Cathedral in Cove at the back end of June. It'll be free. Remarkable piece of work. Have a look. Have a look. Uh, the globe, globe sculpture. It's coming from Hong Kong is where it is at the moment and it'll be coming to us at the end of June. 0818 96 96 96. We had quite a lengthy message from a very upset mum with regard to the Fuss March and the issues leading to the Fuss March. And Fiona's going to read that to us because she didn't want to go on air. She was too upset to go on air and she we've transcribed it. So Fiona's going to read that message for me a little later. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, it's good to see that hub opening at uh, UCC. My, my pal Tim O'Riordan was involved in the design and build of that. And at the early stages, he, he invited me up, uh, stuck a pair of wellies and a hard hat on me, and brought me for a walk through what they've done with the old medical building up there. It is fantastic. If you're a, a veteran of UCC from, say, the 80s and the 90s, maybe even the early noughties, and, and you might have seen the idea for this, which goes back quite a while, it is just brilliant. It really is brilliant. It, 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 every, they thought of everything in, in, the, in the hub. Not to mention the fact that they've got the most gorgeous radio studio inside there. And my, my buddy JB, JP Quinn is... is has invited me up for a tour of the new hub, the finished 
hope. It's brilliant. Really, really great to see that open at UCC. A lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into getting that over the line. So, um, as I said, I got a sneak preview and what I saw when I was up there with Tim. Fantastic. Fantastic. 0818 96 96 96. There's a bike tour of Cork, a cycling tour of Cork, tomorrow, the 7th May, Saturday. It's a cycling tour with a difference. It's a cycling tour of what Cork was like in Napoleonic times. Uh, Adam Darcy, tell me more. Good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Um, Yeah, uh, so... The idea is to look at uh, Georgian architecture and uh, Georgian city planning, I suppose, uh, in Cork um, uh, on a a short cycle tour of the city centre, starting from the Kolke um, at half one. And uh, just uh, going around and and we'd be going to Washington Street, uh, we'd be going up to the, the Butter Market, uh, down to the Harbour Commissioners um, at the end of the island mm. and then back along uh, the South Mall. Mm. What is your fascination with Napoleon and Napoleonic times? Well, it's just... Um, I think that might have dropped. It has. That's dropped on us. We'll see if we can get it back. Yeah, it starts at the, the Cold Cave by Peg Toomey's half past one. And it'll take you around the Georgian parts of Dublin because at the time of Napoleon, it was Georgian times. And there's some incredible buildings and and developments and stuff. It's part of a week of events uh, focusing on planning around the time of Napoleon. Just is he back? He's on the phone. Okay, we'll get him back there now in just a wee tick as soon as we can release that in here. It's tomorrow at 1 o'clock, 1.30, if you're interested, from the cold kit by Peg Toomey's. Now, there's a place you could do a whole program on Peg Toomey's. There's a treasure trove. There's a place I often stop and wander through if I have a, a fiver burning a hole in my wallet because you'll get more value for that fiver inside Peg Toomey's of pious, glorious, immortal memory. Just there on the corner by the Bridewell. If you don't know it, or if you know someone who doesn't know it, show it to them. That in itself, I don't know who built it or what part of time it's from or where, but that in itself is a little treasure trove. Yeah, he's back there. Thanks for that fee. So, Adam, it, it, this is, of course, part of a, a European week of events focusing on, on the time of Napoleon and, and yeah, city it, planning, yeah? Yeah, there's, there's an organisation called the, um, the European Federation of Napoleonic Cities, um, and so it's a collection of cities all over Europe um, that have some connection with Napoleon on Napoleonic times. Uh, now, Cork isn't isn't a member of that federation, but you know, in time, uh, maybe we will be. Um, Plymouth in England is actually uh, in the in the federation. But uh, last year was the 200th anniversary of the death of Napoleon, so they created a kind of a European week and where they uh, had different events and talks and exhibitions and so on. So they decided to redo that this year, um, and the theme they've chosen is urbanism or city planning in the 19th century. So uh, I thought, you know, Cork has got lots of bits and pieces uh, to do with that period. And uh, why not uh, do a little um, tour of the city? What, what what kind of particular spots will you be pointing out or stopping to look? Well, at? well, uh, one of the one of the major it, it was it was a time of of kind of major developments, I suppose. You know, a lot of the the kings and rulers were trying to 
start um, putting in squares and canals and, and big wide streets and, and so on. Um, and one one thing that we have here is Washington Street. It was created around that time mm-hmm. and it was created as an entrance to the city from the west. Mm-hmm. So the Western Road had had, had been there and but the, the, the medieval streets were still around and they were full of you know, um, carts and cattle and people and very clogged up. So they decided to create Washington Street as an entrance to the city from the west. Mm. Um, and so they, over time, they, so they set up a committee and over time they compulsory purchased different plots and then they leased them back to um, developers who um, who created the, the, the streets then. So there was a plan to... To, to have a unified um, elevation, if you like, on each side. Is, is that why uh, the old dog track, which younger listeners won't remember, but the old dog track has been taken, uh, that's built on now by UCC, is that why it's called the Western Gateway Building? Um, partly, I suppose. I mean, that is it is the entrance to the city from the west, you know. So if you're coming in, say, the straight road, you've got the county hall and, 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 and that sort of forms a kind of a, a landmark there, I suppose, and, and it's kind of announcing the start of the city mm-hmm. itself, mm-hmm. Um, even though the boundary has gone beyond that now. But, yeah. um, and, and, you know, those buildings sort of are creating an entrance to the city centre from that direction, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, when you wander around our, our wonderful city, Adam, you know, and stop and look at some things, like just the other couple of months, Saturdays ago, I was in town quite early and I was wandering down Grand Parade and whatever way the morning sun caught the fountain, the history of our city would blow you sideways. I guess on a bike, it must be a wonderful way to just stop and take in what's there. Well, you know, cycling, you know, this is, I, I, I'm in the, the Cork Cycling Campaign yeah. and I'm doing the event as part of the Cork Cycling Campaign. Um, uh, and, and you know, uh, cycling in the city, it's just a great way to see things, you know. Uh, you've, no, you've no windscreen between you and, and the world around you, you know. And you can stop very easily. You can you can chat with people. Uh, it's it's easy to get around, and you can cover quite an area. Then you know, uh, in a, in a relatively short time, you know, so you can you can pick various spots in the city and 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 visit them. Okay, so it's one thirty tomorrow from the Cold Cave by Peg Toomey's. Is there a charge? No, it's free. It's free. And do people need to book their spot or just turn up? No, just turn up. Just turn up. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, you just need a bike, really. <laughs> and a lock. You mentioned bring a lock. Oh, yeah. Well, if we need to, if we need to park the bikes, we, we, we need to be able to lock them up, I suppose, so we can, you know, um, uh, um, uh, go into buildings or whatever we need to do, you know. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's good luck with it. Sounds like a fun way to spend a Saturday if you're interested in the history, the wonderful, wonderful history of our city. Adam Darcy, uh, outside Peg Toomey's tomorrow, the Cold Cave, for a look around Georgian Cork, which, of course, would have been... Cork of Napoleonic times. That was George and Cork and the building and the architecture of George and Cork. Thanks, Adam. 0818969696. No, just Peg Toomey's. Whenever I see someone meeting outside Peg Toomey's, I think of the, being there with a, a spare fiver when I was a small fella, you know, and you'd be, all you'd have is a couple of quid left. Get some sweets now and whatever. Wander into Peg Toomey's and you'd come out and arm loads of stuff. 
where she was getting them then and where she's getting them now. Or the, whoever has it now, I've no idea. But it's a treasure. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmerie. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Straight from our soil to your table. Griffin's Potatoes are simply nutritious and delicious. Courts 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 On Courts 96 FM. Yeah, we had a good email. I'll get to it in a while. Uh, following my conversation with Louise about home carers and, and what they're paid and how bad it is and the work involved and why she, I think she's planning to leave the business now. We had an email on that subject and also we had a follow-on to our discussion of the Fuss March, which is downtown. I see Own English from The Examiner tweeted some video and quite a crowd, quite a crowd on that march. And great to see it. Come back to all that. We had a, a message from a very upset mom, uh, too upset to come on the air, and uh, I guess she couldn't go today because of the fact that she's minding a sick child. We'll come back to those, but we mentioned on this program a while back, I remember talking about it, the Wim Hof method. Fergal had come up with it and we were we were talking about this and it was a strange thing. And I, I mentioned my, my aversion to the cold, which means that the Wim Hof method would never be for me, like ice baths and jumping into freezing cold water. I couldn't, I couldn't even think about it. Renaud, you, or Renaud, you, you, obviously French by the sound of your name, don't you live here in Cork, <laughs> you, you've yeah. embraced this Wim Hof method, but you were from the same place as me, you didn't like the cold at all, good morning. Good morning, uh, yes, that's correct, uh, I wasn't a, no, I was we can't say I wasn't a big fan, I didn't like it, um, and cold showers or cold water for me was was tough. I used to just like be based like in Florida uh, a long time ago. And even there, the water I thought was cold. Um, but yeah, I got into it and uh, loved it. I mean, I love it now. Mm. Yeah. What What is the, the secret to getting into it? Just, just first of all, why did you decide to try it? Uh, I... I used to suffer a lot from anxiety uh, a long time ago. I got time. Uh, I got to recover well from that, but uh, also stress was uh, hitting me a lot, and I was getting sick a lot. So I bumped into uh, the Wim Hof method one day, and I just decided to try it because I knew a couple of people around me. I'm going to try. I'm going to change this line um, because that's I was started out fine, but then just fell apart. I'm going to come back to you on a, on a cleaner. A cleaner line, so just bear with us for a moment and we'll do that. While while I go to it, I wait for that, lads. I will read the email about uh, Home Care Direct, which is the platform Louise was telling about. Uh, 
I was using this platform, I can see the benefits to it. With greatest respect to agencies, sometimes families often see several different care workers in a day or in a week, each bringing their own skills. But this may lead to adjustments to the regular routine, and that can also cause distress. Unfortunately, agencies and healthcare services are so overstretched that carers are restricted with times and duties and staffing. As Louise said, care workers registered to this platform are fully vetted, qualified, reference checked and insured, which gives us care workers the opportunity and encouragement to excel in our career for a fair wage. In the UK, people are given personal budgets which allows them to select the carer or the agency they use. The funds are then broken down to cover the cost. For example, you get seven half-hour visits in the morning and in the evening. At present, we only have these budgets in the disability sector. What about our ageing population? There's also the issue of travel, time and fuel allowance. Care workers are often at a loss when they're on their shift as their wages don't cover fuel costs or don't cover wear and tear on their vehicles. The list goes on. Yeah. Okay, back to Renault and the the Wim Hof. Like, how did you first? How did you first find out about it, Renault? Uh, sure, I was. Uh, so I was getting sick a lot and taking a lot of antibiotics, and I was quite tired of it. And I basically googled about how to stop that to try and find symptoms. And I actually, it's on YouTube that I saw a video about Wim Hof. And I thought it was amazing everything everything he had done, and decided to try. Hmm. So, what was your first efforts in this? Did, I mean, did, 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 you, did you just go for it? Did you just plunge into cold water straight away, or is that <laughs> how it works? Uh, no, I. I've, it depends on the person, but a lot of people really really start with the breathing, and that's what I did. And it gave me such a boost, and I felt so good after trying the breathing that I actually wanted to try the cold as a next step, you know, to challenge myself and go beyond and realized it's not that bad. It's just ideas in the head that we need to get over. Mm. Mm. Why do you think it has worked for you? Why, why do you think this method has worked for you? You said that you no longer take prescription drugs, your sinus problems mm. have cleared up and your whole mindset yeah. is better. Correct. Um, so why it has done that for me i mean because like there's a lot of so many benefits that happen when just by breathing differently so much so many good things can happen to us and to people in general and just for the head just because of the the chemistry everything that happens in the body and in the brain with the oxygen um those benefits that we don't especially realize because they're not physical but they happen inside of us and the heart rate changing and being more in control. And it also impacts the brain. You know, the oxygen goes through the brain. So if you have good oxygen that goes through your brain, it will help you feel better in general. Because we breathe anything up mm-hmm. to 20,000, maybe 25,000 times a day. Yeah. You hardly think that, would you? It's an unbelievable yeah. amount of times a day. So if we're doing it wrong, we're doing our bodies a disservice, aren't we? Correct. Yes. So what's, yes, what, how do we do it right then? I mean, I tend to be very much a nose breather. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't like not being able to breathe through my nose. That's the, yeah. You're supposed to breathe through your nose, aren't you? Well, we are supposed to, bring through, to breathe through our nose. So, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, there are over like 
5,400, I think, of mammals on the planet, and we are the only mammals, humans, that breathe through the mouth. I mean, if you look at a dog, it's because that's their way of cooling down. But for us, it's more of a way of an easy way out, let's say. And if you look at people in the street, you know, it's we breathe through the mouth because, like, it's it's easier. And it's the same. We go to call to warm water because it's easier. We cover ourselves because it's easier. And when we do that little bit of a challenge, that's good for us in general. And so why do we breathe through? I mean, breathing through the nose, the nose, it's, it's only purpose is for us. It's to breathe. And it also warms up the air before it gets to the lungs. It filters bacteria, viruses, um, and it also humidifies the air before it gets to the lungs. So it has many benefits breathing through the nose. Yeah, um, yeah and it also people who have, the heart rate. But when you have a cold or a uh, flu or hay fever or anything like that, your, your nose bungs up, so you fall back to breathing through your mouth. Of course. But is, oh. does the Wim Hof method or this breathing method, you're saying that if you do that, you, you won't actually get these infections if you learn uh, to you breathe can. constantly. Of course you can, yeah. but it will be minimized. I mean, uh, less chances. It will help boost your immune system and the pH level of your blood will be better. And it means it's like if we breathe, if we don't breathe properly, what happens is that the pH level in the blood will be more acidic. Mm. And try to imagine when you drink like lemon or you use squeeze lemon, just it's acidic. It's it's not especially nice. So try to imagine your blood and with the oxygen that goes throughout your body, through your heart, through your 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 lungs, your brain, everywhere throughout your body. If it's too acidic, try to imagine what happens. So if you have more oxygen, better oxygen spread out throughout the body, it does impact a lot. And by breathing at least slower, so if you if you have no choice because you're you're exerting yourself, you're, you're making an effort, or you're sick, as you mentioned, if you at least try to slow down because you have to breathe through the mouth, you have to slow down, that's fine. You know, it, it is better than breathing too much and too quickly. The key is also to slow down the breath. Um, but yeah, yeah, just uh, so. And, and there are also techniques if your nose is stuck, like throughout the day, for example. Now, let's say you're not sick, but your nose is a bit stuck. There are also small exercises that exist to unblock your nose. And if you have one nostril that is more blocked than the other one, it's completely normal. If you pay attention to it, you realize that roughly every half hour, 45 minutes, one nostril will be more blocked than the other, and then it will change. It's just a change between the sympathetic system and parasympathetic nervous system. Right. Now, you've got a mm-hmm. website called breathinginstinct.com. You Correct. now teach people breathing methods, breathing exercises. Uh, yes. Yes. So I have some classes, mostly Wim Hof method classes. Um, and also, I'm certified in something called the Oxygen Advantage, no, and nice. it's Irish. So it's about functional breathing. It's a lot based, uh, I mean, for performance in general, but it 
also involves exercises that you can do in everyday life. Let's say you're cooking, you're walking your dog or something like that. Uh, and that will then impact when you're making an effort. So it's about functional breathing and breathing better. It's more focused on nasal breathing right. exercises and short breath holds. I read somewhere that there's an exercise, for example, you can do when you wake in the morning. And you know that kind of mm. dopey feeling that you have when you're dragging yourself out of bed. You know that mm-hmm. the day's work ahead. You know that by the time you get there, you'll be grand. But that yeah. kind of five minutes when you're wandering, that there's a simple breathing exercise you can do to actually wake yourself up with fresh air. Uh, there, there are several techniques. Wow. It depends on, on the people. Um, for example, I like to do the Wim Hof method in the morning. I like to do that. But also there's more on the oxygen advantage, something that is more of a light, slow and deep breath. And when I mean deep, it's through the the belly, you know, when we breathe through using the diaphragm and not the chest. And if you do that for, it depends on the person. If the person wants to have a slow, quiet morning, just doing some light breathing in bed, it's great. Or if you want something more energetic, you also have some other techniques. There are hundreds of techniques out there. So, So it depends. So therefore, there's no coincidence in the fact that something that I do, particularly this time of the year where the mornings are lovely and clear, Mm. the first thing I want to do when I get downstairs is get out, open that and take in some fresh breaths of the morning air. And I wait. It's it's better than 10 coffees. Oh, it, it, it can be, definitely. Definitely. Wow, so that's not that's no coincidence. Wow. Definitely. People can look at your website and oh, talk to me mm-hmm. talk to me lastly about the cold because the cold you're saying it's enough just to go to the beach in Ireland. That's cold enough. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, it's cold. I mean the the water in Ireland is cold enough. But you would see of course if you look up online just benefit how cold does the water need to be. So you would have like 18 degrees Celsius, 17, 16, let's say 16, but I even saw 15 degrees yesterday, I think. But uh, anyway, just go cold. Just turn your water cold in the shower or go to the beach. It will be cold enough in Ireland anyway. And people don't have to do it, you know, for a long time. It's not a competition. People often think it's a competition and put that extra stress. They should... I mean, they could focus on themselves first and doing 15 seconds and tomorrow 30 and then next week yeah. one minute. You yeah. know, it, it doesn't take long. Yeah, and again, there's, I guess there's no coincidence that the mm-hmm. relaxation you feel when you have yeah. been in the sea for a few minutes or even a minute or two, there's no coincidence. That relaxation, you can't, you can't put a price on that. No, no. Uh, I mean, and it's free. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's free, so no pills or anything. Breathing and cold exposure. I mean, and it can be shower. And when you're cold, basically, it's if you can't deal with the cold much, it's really focusing on your breath. Yeah, the cold will be stronger, but the mind is stronger. Okay, so that's that's how it helps okay. a lot. Reno, good speak. To you, breathinginstinct.com is Renaud's website. He lives here in Cork, French, obviously, originally, but lives here in Cork. And the breathing, I prefer more to the, although it's coming into the time of the year now, sort of middle of May, when one would be inclined to venture to Fountainstown. 
for more than just coffee and Angela's, one might be inclined to venture into the water in the next couple of weeks. I keep promising myself. <laughs> oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. You should watch Ice Dive on Netflix, PJ. A lady from Finland going for the longest distance ever swam under ice <laughs> in one breath. It's unreal. Thanks, Jar. Ice Dive. That might be worth a look. Oh, speaking of things worth a look on Netflix, I read last night, I saw it last night, um, Formula One Drive to Survive been renewed for seasons five and six. Some of the drivers won't be too happy to see Netflix back again because, as you know, if you follow it, season four, a few of the drivers have, have pulled out of it because they say, no, we're, we're not, we don't actually hate each, much, each other as much as Netflix would like you to think. But renewed still for seasons for uh, our seasons five and six. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Let's go back to the issue of the Foss March, which they've had quite a sizable turnout uh, downtown. But many of the people who would love to have been there couldn't go. Uh, and one of them um, contacted us earlier this morning. And Fiona, you said that uh, she was quite upset. She left a, a number of voicemails and she was in tears as she did them. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, she left um, some very um, upsetting voice notes and um, it was just to highlight her own situation and I'm sure there are many more people like her. And she said that following on from your conversation with Katie Healy-Nolan, she said that she agrees about the lack of services. Um, She said that she has a terminally ill daughter with very complex needs and she's a single mother so she couldn't attend today's march. But the lack of services, she says, is an absolute disgrace. She's been waiting for a moulded seat since September and has been told that it's not essential even though she needs it to shower her daughter who needs regular showers as she's incontinent. The daughter is two and a half stone and doesn't move so this lady's back is an absolute bits from it and she says she can't continue like this. She's been told to raise money but she doesn't want to do a GoFundMe as she's a very private person and she says that she doesn't think that parents should have to do this. She said no parents ask for this life. Our children are special and I love my daughter so much. She says she's tired of fighting and the treatment of parents and their children is criminal. She's invited the Taoiseach, the Health Minister, the Director of the HSE to come and spend a day and night with them and see how difficult life really is. She said all the occupational therapists and the physiotherapists keep telling her that things are not suitable for her daughter. They keep telling her that where she lives isn't suitable, the seat for her car isn't suitable, the car isn't suitable but she said she can't afford anything else than what she has and she says that... um, a seat for a child um, with special needs is starting at €3,500 and that goes up to 5000 and a wheelchair accessible car is also not cheap um, that they could cost from anything from 38000 to 70000 so that's just one person's mm. um, situation and as we said she was very upset she didn't want to come on air but she did want us to get the message out there this morning Okay, Fiona, thanks for that that's, that's, that's very upsetting and I'm sure I don't need to tell you uh, we get those kind of calls very regularly. But today, she couldn't go to the fuss march because of the needs of her of her daughter. But the bit that sticks out to me out of all of that is the bit where uh, she's looking for a moulded seat since last September to try to bath her daughter or shower her daughter. These are the seats that you sit into a shower so you can take a shower sitting down. My dad had one um, because 
with his lungs. He's, he couldn't stand up in the shower sometimes. And, you know, a friend of mine had one as well. They're, they're common enough, you know. You get a few. They've told her it's not essential. Who is anybody who's not living with a child like that? Who are they to tell you what's essential and what's not? Her back is broken from carrying her little girl into the shower. And somebody decides, oh no, that's not essential. Who do these people think they are? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. We're back to the music. The Quartz 96 FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96fm.ie now. 96fm.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quartz 96 FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96fm.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. I asked you very early on this morning, would you know what wasabi is? And instead of letting you guess, I then said I've probably eaten at some stage myself. So like a fool, I told you. It's a it's a food. It's, a, it's, it's part of food. But it's also one of the most difficult things to produce, or, or so you're told when you go reading about it. But they do it in West Cork. So they do everything in West Cork. They do it in West Cork. And they have a website called West Cork Wasabi. Alex, good morning. Hi, PJ. How's it going? Good. First of all, what is wasabi? Plant? Herb? What is it? Well, it's in the cabbage family. It'd be... Um Originally, it's, uh, it came from Japan. It grows up in the mountains along riverbanks uh, naturally, and it has a uh, a, a particular flavour, uh, like a, a mild horseradish. Uh, a lot more. There's a lot more nuance to it, though. It's, um, it's the the top chefs love it. Yeah, I think it um, it's the real deal. It's quite difficult to grow, is it? It's um, well. It's like anything. If you provide the correct conditions, you can grow. Um, it's vulnerable to all the same kind of things that cabbages would get. So, the club root, uh, black leg, all those kind of things. Um, it has its. I mean, it has its hard bits. Mm. But, you know, it's possible to do. Mm. You can grow carrots. I'd say you could grow wasabi. Yeah. Sometimes people pass off. Uh, kind of a pasty it's like coloured horse horseradish like you said and they, they pass it off as wasabi would you know the difference if you tasted it I bet you would you would yeah the the, the fake stuff it's like a slap in the face really? you know it burns it's sore <laughs> the, uh, the real wasabi it's more uh, it starts off sweet and uh, it still has that same kind of you know um, you know going up your nose 
but yeah. it's way milder yeah. and way more going on in it. Yeah, there's a kick. Now I know I have had it. There's a kick off it, isn't it? It's like it's like a horseradish, but there's a kick off it. Well, it would be the, the they would have a kick all right, but there's more to it than that. I mean, you can get the kick off the um, of horseradish, mm. and it, but it's kind of that's kind of overpowering. It's quite um, it's quite a, a strong flavour. This is more way more kind of subtle. Mm. Yeah. So, how do you go about growing it? I mean, does it does it? How did you discover you could grow it in West Cork to start with? Well, I actually, uh, my brother-in-law was talking to a, uh, a guy from New Zealand who uh, they grow in New Zealand, and they were just talking about it, and he thought that the, the conditions they have there were pretty similar to what we have in west of Ireland. So it's um, cloudy a lot. It's quite wet. Mm. Um, it also, also, it naturally kind of comes from wood, so it needs shade. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the humidity of being near to water or in sort of damp ground kind do, of thing. Do you have to kind of create a, a kind of a virtual ecosystem for a trees and plants and then put it in the middle of a sort of a virtual ecosystem? Do you have to do that for it? Well, I, I just had a little patch of uh, boggy ground which just had some sallies growing on it and I just stuck it in there to see because it seemed to, that seemed to fit the bill and it, it loves it. It's just the right sort of spot yeah. and there's little corners all all around the place where I'd, I'd say it would thrive yeah. little patches that aren't worth farming because they're too small or too inaccessible or too boggy yeah japan and you know you, japan, in japan they caught back on it because it was so hard to grow like you're a glutton for punishment down there in west cork <laughs> well you know perhaps in 50 years it, it won't be possible it's a bit hard to tell with the, the with the climate change oh, really uh what what yeah um also you know it's because it is uh vulnerable to all the same kind of diseases as the brassicas or the cabbages and stuff you know you have to kind of treat it like any other veg and uh, practice your rotations it's in the ground a long time like it could be two or three years before it's ready to harvest right so uh, it does kind of use use up the space yeah but it's space which using for anything else. You, you, do, you do a bunch of other stuff back there as well in, in West Cork Wasabi. That's right, anything strange is my <laughs> catchphrase. So it, it, if there's something like, I was trying blue bananas there, I couldn't get them going, but uh, I'll give it a go if... Uh, yeah, exactly, they're supposed to taste like ice cream. <laughs> Try again, that'd be <laughs> Alex, listen, yeah. West Cork Wasabi, good, good to speak with you. So... If it can be done anywhere, it can be done in West Cork. Growing wasabi. They're giving up on it in Japan because it's so hard to grow. They're growing it in West Cork. And that green mush that's inside in your bento or your sushi box, that might not necessarily be wasabi at all. Don't be fooled. It's just ground down horseradish with a big green paste in it. Mightn't be the real thing at all. Go down to Alex and get the real thing. Speaking of great Irish music, that's been around for a while. Damien's around since forever. He had to break into the industry. Lisa Curran, debut single. That's gorgeous. Good morning. Thank you so much, PJ. That is lovely. The production, the mixing, the voice. It's great. That song's around a while, though, isn't it? 
It is around a while. Yeah, I re- actually, and do you know what? Damien Rice is one of my biggest like influences. I think he's so magical. He mm. just has that magical vibe. I just love him. Um, but yeah, I recorded it nine years ago and I've been sitting on it since. Mm. Why did you sit on it for so long? Well, what happened was I had put out a, a few covers and a few bits and bobs myself um, out in SoundCloud. And um, these producers in London got on to me and we started chatting and they had um, they were connected to different record labels and they invited me over. And they said they had um, a poem to base lyrics on from a, a poet, um, Frida Mamtaz, over there. And we came up with the lyrics together and we wrote the music and came up with all the recording. We did it all in one weekend. And um, when it was all done, um, a week later, they they got back to me and said that they'd hand me over the song because... Their exact words were, to be honest, it's just you don't have the right look. You need to lose weight. And um, because you're a mom, it would be very hard to market you. So that was a real knock because, yeah, so it was a real knock, unfortunately. But, you know, um, when you're a singer and when you do music, I mean, I have my BMOs from the Cork School of Music, so it's always been my thing. That, and, that um, would knock you back, though. That would make you put that song in a drawer and feel bad about yourself, wouldn't it? It it, it really did. And I mean, at the time, like nine years ago, I was 20, 24. And um, it, it really, like, it really stuck with me because as a performer, you want to be the whole package. You know that your stage presence and, um, you know, marketing and everything. And what they said to me is like, oh, your best bet is to kind of send it to ad agencies and they might use it in the background or something. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> and and I was like, no, I'll get the confidence eventually. Yeah, I will. You did. And you sent it off and you ended up. And then I know because it's very precious to some friends of mine in the business who've done this. If you're getting to number one on the singer songwriter chart. It was it was a shock to say the least. It really, really was a shock, and it was a huge turnaround in like your psyche, your mental health towards your perception of yourself. Huge, mm. yeah. And you know, obviously, there's more songs sitting there, and I'm like, oh, I could actually go forward with these now, and I have the confidence. And you know, a, a huge part of the building confidence to put it out there was being part of um, Embrace the World with Kevin Walsh there in in April. That oh, was yeah, huge. Kevin. So, yeah, sure. Look, look, yeah, that, that that's a great tune. It's a what a fantastic tune. bit of work that was. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, so that you know, all these things come together. I think um, fate plays a big part in it. So. Yeah, but it was a shock, and I'm so delighted, and yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for all the support because, well, you well, know, it, whoever it said that knock. to you in London all those years ago, what you should do now <laughs> is wave a copy of the single in front of him, show him the iTunes <laughs> charts, show him the streams, and say, "You were wrong. You were wrong. Yeah, <laughs> we're grand now. We're fine." <laughs> Lisa, it's great. It's a great song, and I wish you great success Thank with it. You. It's on Spotify and iTunes and all the various platforms, and it's called it is. It, it's called Milk Milkshake Sky, and it's lovely. Milkshake Sky, Lisa yeah. Curran. Thank you so much. PJ. No, thank you, thank you. Great to have you on the Opinion Line. That's a, it's a beautiful song. It really look at it, look for it on Spotify. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Couple of comments on disability and on housing. Yeah, as a father of a child with special needs. I find all these people that we have to deal with to get help for our children haven't got a clue. 
Would it not be more beneficial for the minister to set up a team of people that actually live the life on a daily basis? I love this, I love this. To advise the so-called professionals about the best route for each section and each individual child. It might just educate them and see if they're truly serious, truly serious about sorting out this unforgivable situation. As I have said before about parents in that situation, who find themselves in that situation and do it with love and do it round the clock seven days a week. The parents and the carers have forgotten more about every individual child and every individual person with a disability. They've forgotten more than all the professionals combined will ever know. And that's a great suggestion. Hi PJ, great show. Looking at the Irish Independent headline, government, I saw this, government looking to give developers 120,000 per apartment of taxpayers' money, subsidising the big guys again. Surely it'd be better to use that to bring down the costs of building materials for everyone. Once again, the government's solution is to subsidise the rich. That's from Paul and Cove. Have a nice weekend. Same to you, fella. Opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie.